Now, here's the starting lineup for the Generations Sports Podcast, presented by Calf Sports. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever it is, wherever you are, and welcome to the Generations Sports Podcast. I'm Jeff Kennedy, along with Bill Unkovich. Hey, now. Dave Zorn. I'm big groggy. Casey Everett. So that's how we're starting today? That's how it's going today. Sure. <laughs> I'm you, happy to uh, be here. I'm great. I feel fine. <laughs> I'm a bit groggy. Okay, Dave. Thanks. <laughs> Dave, you should be excited. I mean, wild card standings. We'll talk about that in Major League Baseball. Controlled F, excitement. Is what if there's is. Oh, controlled excitement. Yes. Okay. If there's any advantage, talk some college football. USC, Colorado, Texas, Kansas, Notre Dame, and Duke, Ole Miss, LSU. Of course, we'll have our weekly installment of Stump the Unk. See if we can get one by Bill. And then we'll talk NFL. Plenty of stuff to talk about in the NFL this week. Sports through the ages. Dave has the honors this week. Betting with Bill. Sports around the mountain. And we'll conclude with crunch time. So let's get started. Major League Baseball wild card. So I'm going to start, Casey, with you. Since you haven't really had anything to cheer about with your team in a long time, you're probably the most objective person in the room. What do you mean by that? I think I said what I meant. I mean, you're, you're we have a World Series Nationals. in the last five years. Casey, okay, so that's not We're talking point. current. We're, t- we're, t- we're okay. talking today. We're, talk- okay. we're talking current. Okay, so the Phillies just clinched their wild card berth. I just want to get that out there. They're a scary team. I'm. It always happens around this time of year. I've said it time and time again. You don't want to play them in the playoffs. Whoever's going to play them in the playoffs it's going to be a long road for them. So I'm actually really excited excited to see the Phillies back in the playoffs. They've deserved it. They made key adjustments at the All-Star break, and they always seem to be up there but kind of floating. And now they're officially in, so I'm excited for them. Uh, the Diamondbacks, they're still, they're still in. Uh, they're a game above the Chicago Cubs, who had a terrible series this past weekend. Um but the Diamondbacks, they look as good as ever. So I'm excited to see what this final couple days will look like. They're going against the Astros. Might be an interesting series to come up against. But Chicago, uh, Chicago's great. I like Chicago. They're a fun team. We know. I didn't think they would be in this position when you told me at the beginning of the season. But their their rotation has been phenomenal, with leaded by Justin Steele, who's probably the Cy Young Award winner if Blake Snell falls off a cliff. But those two are fighting for it, so it should be interesting. So that's the NL wildcard standings as it stands right now. All right, so to, to Casey's point, okay, and I'll throw this out there. You're fighting for those wildcard bursts in the National League. Phillies seem like they're locked in. If yeah, I'm, they've clinched, so they're, they're, well, they're locked in. in. So if, if, if I'm the other teams, I'm not wanting to play the Phillies in Philly. I would rather play the Brewers, even though the Brewers – our division, our division champion. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. But let me go this another way. It's a three-game series, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. All three games are in one park. Okay. And they'll probably be in Philly if you're, if you're in Philly. In so what are, who are Philly's top two guys? Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola. <laughs> you say that with confidence, Casey. When they come into the playoffs, they're a different beast. we got to remember, Zach Wheeler almost won a Cy Young. Aaron Noah almost won a Cy Young just a couple years ago. So this, the top of their rotation is really good. They have arms like Ty, Taiwan Walker, who will give you a quality start. He might give up a couple runs, but he's going seven every game. So, I mean, they their bullpen's the thing that's really been killing them with Craig Kimbrell blowing saves. They don't have a solidified closer now. With They have Sir Anthony Dominguez. They have 
Craig Kimbrell, and then they have Jose Alvarado. And they've been going back and forth between those guys. But their pitching rotation, they'll give you seven. And if they can get through seven, their bullpen hopefully can take over. Let's let's be clear. Philadelphia is is not going to win with their pitching. Right. Philadelphia (laughs) is going to win with their bats. And look at their lineup. Every night is somebody different. They're a bunch of professional hitters in their lineup every day. Okay, and so I pose that because I'm, you know, I'm curious. So for the Diamondbacks, if it's them who play the, the Phillies, you got Zach Gallon and you got, uh, um, of course, I just know names. Merrill Kelly. Merrill Kelly. Thank you. I had it until I started talking, then went out of my head. These two guys haven't been rock solid back to back in a while. This last go around, Zach Gallon finally figured it out and had a good outing, but Merrill Kelly got. Well, Merrill Kelly allowed two runs. It was a bullpen that, that screwed it all up. But those two guys are pitching pretty well right now. And obviously, we're taping this on Wednesday. So last night against the White Sox, Ryan Nelson came in, who was a starter most of the year, but he came in in relief of um, of uh, the starter and pitched five innings. I think it was a two hit ball. So I like that little role for for Ryan Nelson, a guy, a young guy who's just trying to get his feet wet, and it's a nice little middle middle relief there. Um, Zach Davies, who started last night, and there's an interesting stat about Zach Davies this morning before we came, before we recorded this. Zach Davies has lost his last. I'm sorry, he's up. Uh, in his last five starts, he's 7.24 ERA. The Diamondbacks are 5-0. and <laughs> How does that even work? I don't know because Zach Davies is garbage. I mean, he, I mean he's, he's more than done at this point. But the Diamondbacks win when he starts. I don't want to see him start in the playoffs because we're not going to risk that. But this is a young team that doesn't know any better. They're fast on the base pass. They're fast in the outfield. Um, I give them a puncher's chance against the Phillies if that's who they play. Do I want to see them play Milwaukee instead? Yeah, maybe. But that part of me kind of wants to go against the best. So on that note... Do the wild card teams, the teams that get to play that first week, how much of an advantage is that to keep playing as opposed to having a bye? Oh, I think it's a, a, a bigger advantage than most people think. Depends how the, the team that has the bye, how they're managed and how they're put together. If, if those guys are, you know, they like the time off, but they're still working, they're still getting their head right, and they come in, everybody, everything's set, ready to go, that might be, that's obviously it's going to be a good thing for them getting a little rest. But if, if, if a team there is maybe – went 500 in their last 10 games going in the playoffs and they have a bye, I, I don't know if that's a good thing. I think it just comes down, Bill, to live live hitting, live pitching, as opposed to batting practice. Well, we've seen it know. both ways. We've yeah. seen a team benefit from um, resting some of their players and not playing everybody or just going straight into the playoffs and, you know, just like a regular road trip, you miss one or two days. Yeah. Casey, what are your thoughts? Advantage or not advantage? I think it's a huge advantage. And we've seen it time and time again, especially in the National League, where wildcard teams often come out and go to the World Series. I mean, we obviously have the Braves, who were not a wildcard team, and the Dodgers that weren't a wildcard team in the past five years that were all from the National League make it to the World Series. But you have the Nationals that won a World Series coming out of the wildcard. You have the Phillies last year, who was a wildcard team, and then the Astros World Series. But other than that, it's been wildcard teams in the NL, and it's been a back and forth between the number one team in baseball or the wildcard team. So I think in baseball, more of an advantage to keep playing than it would be in other sports where resting your body is so significant if you're talking about basketball or football. But in baseball, like I said, live pitching you know, is, is going to be a difference between that and, and batting practice. And they're um, used to playing every single day, like yeah. literally every single day. So uh, once ab- you take absolutely. that break... All of a sudden, you got to get back in your groove. Yep. Well, baseball playoffs and World Series is must-watch TV. Every pitch, every at-bat, every put-out is essential. Lots of tension. It's nerve-wracking. I sit and watch a playoff game, and 
I need to take an aspirin afterwards. You're just wiped out. It's super entertaining. Yep. And, and I've actually got a, a quick, because we're in the genre, World Series question. The Yankees obviously have the most appearances in World Series history. If either, if, if you guys can come up with the second, third, and fourth place teams in Major League Baseball with the most World Series appearances, free food for a week. So Ooh, we, we can go to a break. St. Louis Cardinals. We have yep. a break? No, no. Go ahead, Jeff. Okay. St. Louis Cardinals is one of them. World Series appearances? World Series appearances. It's 1920 and 21, or 1920 and 20, so they're all right there. But the Cardinals are fourth. They have 19. So we have to come up with four? you got to come up with the other two. Okay, well, I got one of them. Yeah. You Cardinals. guys are on the yeah. Free food's on st- right. at stake here. So I'm going to say the Cardinals, the Dodgers. No, that's right. And yeah. then. This is the hard one. Oh, I might say the Reds were really good back then, too. Oh, man. World Series appearances. World I'm Series say the appearances. San Francisco Giants. San Francisco Giants. That's right. Good job. A little a team collaborative effort there. So we all get free food. Free food. So Yay! Right <laughs> you get a chance to guess. That's all right. We covered you, Dave. That's Don't what. Te- that's how teams work. Okay. Oh, me, me and oh, you, you didn't play, but you still get over, a ring. I went over okay. ten and yeah, struck we, out ten yeah, times, yeah, but I still, get, still a get a ring. One, one final one, a World Series question. That um, obviously the Yankees. What team has won three in a row? The Yankees have done it. They won three. They won four. They won five. In different time periods. Oakland There's Athletics. only one other team. Oakland Athletics. Jeff, that's a great call. I didn't think anybody would get that. Yeah, I thought we you have guys, a segment you that guys sucks talked up. before the show started. That's what. I, yeah, there's some collusion going on. There. <laughs> no, we act. We actually know some baseball trivia, some history. Yeah, like, that was actually very seventy-two good, to seventy-four. The Oakland A's. Yeah, yeah. And, and the Yankees won three in a row from 1998 to 2000. Mm-hmm. They won four in a row from 36 to 39. And they won five in a row from forty nine to fifty three. Twenty seven rings. And and, <laughs> and not not to just go crazy on the baseball team, but that Oakland Athletics team with Reggie Jackson and Sal Bando and Vita Blue. I mean, that was a great team. Raleigh Fingers. That was a Joe great Rudy. team. Joe Rudy. Absolutely. These guys were a little young. Well, you know, it's funny that the story that <laughs> when the Yankee players wanted to renegotiate their contract, which they didn't really do, or their contract came up for renewal, the ownership would go in and say, "Well, you're going to get your World Series check." They would just throw that. <laughs> yeah. We're going to go to the World Series, and you're going to get your check. So we're, we're not going to give you a raise. That's awesome. Nice. nice. All right, guys. Let's let's turn our attention. College football. We've got four what we're going to call big games on mm-hmm. tap this week. Let's start with. I mean, you guys tell me. I, I mean, I want to say the marquee game of the week. I don't know that it's that. We're still. I mean, USC is really good. Colorado has been really interesting. I don't know that this is the biggest game of the weekend, but it still starts our conversation. USC is at Colorado. There's going to be lots of offense here. USC's defense is is not really in stellar form right now, so I think on a side side deal, the the total score over looks fantastic. And and they're going to get hammered, I think, again this week, the Buffaloes. But just give Dion another year or two of top five recruiting plus the transfer portal. I'd be very careful what you say about this team. <laughs> I don't think they're going to contend this year, but you watch for them going forward. Yeah, I, I, I got to agree with Bill all that. I think uh, you know, this is going to be a fun, entertaining game for people who like offensive football. Um, I, I think, however, USC's defense have been watching them against Arizona State last week. Um, they're young. They're definitely talented. But, it, that, again, going back to young. Um, ASU was able to do some things with as many trick plays as I think an offense I've ran as I've ever seen in college football. That's how ASU scored and got the ball down the field. One was even improvised by a player, actually two players, and the coaches had no idea, <laughs> which was uh, one of the fake punts. 
So, hey, whatever works at this point, honestly. But uh, SC's talented, obviously. Uh, they're going to go into a, an environment in the Folsom Field where it's going to be loud, it's going to be noisy, but it's nothing they're not used to. They play in loud, noisy places all the time because they're always the favorite. They're always the school that everyone wants to beat. So that's not going to phase them. But I think, yeah, USC wins, uh, I think, by quite a bit over Colorado this weekend. Yeah, let's be honest, guys. This is not a big game. It's going to be USC. They're going to go through Colorado. We saw what Oregon did to Colorado last week. Come on, let's be real. Colorado is the story in college football. Uh, more people watched the game last week against Oregon, more than doubled and tripled uh, Alabama, Mississippi, and Notre Dame and Ohio State. I mean, that's and it was a blowout from the get go, yeah. but more people watched that game than any other game. People are interested. You know, the, just to me, one note on this game the Trojans have the sixth highest pressure rate in college football, they're going to put pressure. On, on Sanders, on Shadur Sanders. I think this game is another blowout, Casey, to your point. How about Texas versus Kansas? Um, they played some pretty good games in recent memory. Casey, I'm going to start with you on this one. Yeah, so actually I went to a career fair yesterday, and I had this conversation, and this person likes sports a lot. They were interested in doing calf sports stuff, and he said Kansas is going to beat Texas. And I asked him, well, why? And he's like, I don't believe in Texas. Texas isn't that great. Kansas has more offensive power and a really good quarterback that can make things happen for them. Texas are pretenders. And I was like, huh, that's an interesting take. So so you went with it? No, Texas <laughs> okay. is going to win. <laughs> okay. But, I mean, it's an interesting – I I mean, it's going to be a fun game to watch, but I Texas is going to win that game. I don't think – Kansas is a really good team, don't get me wrong. But – they're still – they haven't been good for – they've been starting to build up their program over the last couple of years. They're getting better. But you're going against a powerhouse in Texas. But yeah. both these teams are 4-0. and And they're, they're undefeated, obviously. Texas is trying to prove they belong. They're an elite top-five program in the nation, which they haven't been for years. Kansas is much improved program in the last few years. They're averaging 475 yards of total offense per game, including 220 yards rushing. But if you want to compare this to a horse race, this is – Kind of a different class. Um, I think Kansas actually has a chance. Um, they could hang around for a while, but I think Texas is is back on the rise, and they're going to try to prove they belong in, in college football's elite right now. Dave? But Kansas and Texas, I, I don't like what that kid said. How dare he? Uh, you know, Mulch in on our time and our space, but uh, he's not hired. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Texas is at home? Texas is at, at home. home. They're, they're, uh, they're actually favored by 17 points. That's, that's yeah, a whole I'm, lot of I, points. I'm not buying into Kansas at all. Uh, but, you know, Texas isn't Texas. The, I mean, they're kind of in a rebuilding mode. If you could be rebuilding being, you know, ranked team. Um, I don't think it's a reload either, but it's definitely a rebuild. Um, Kansas is probably one of the best teams they've had in a while. But yeah, I, t- at home, Texas is a kind of different animal. No pun intended for Bevo. But uh, I, 17, I like Kansas to cover. I like Texas to win, but Kansas to cover that. College football is better when Texas is good. And Arch Manning, the number one recruit coming out of the nation out of high school last year, can't even get on the field for Texas. Yeah. That's how loaded they are. They are loaded. And listen, just, just another note. Longhorns rank third nationally in defensive success rate, while Kansas sits at 75th. Comes down to the best defense. Texas has it. All right, Notre Dame is at Duke. You know, Notre Dame, it's a pretty brutal loss that they experienced a week ago. Yeah, and they're at Duke where, where they're going to be ready for them, and Duke's already you know had a, a couple of decent wins this year. That's – I don't know if it's a trap game. I didn't call it a trap game after a big game, but I guess a reverse trap, <laughs> whatever that means. Um, this is a dangerous game for Notre Dame. Uh, and you had a guy, a coach that, you know, 
really screwed up big time in the Ohio State game. Now, do they learn from that? Maybe, I, I guess. If you if get in a situation, you hope you learn from it. But uh, And that's the 10-man rule that he didn't know he, he could substitute after Notre, after Ohio State substituted, and you know, that all was a debacle. Uh, man, well, Notre Dame's favorite by how many? I'm, I'm, which game are we talking about here? Notre Dame Duke? I thought it was Notre Dame Duke. <laughs> yeah, Notre Dame Duke. Okay, okay. Uh, Notre Dame's favored by six. Mm, I mean, so. That's pretty close. Uh, yeah, you know what? <sighs> I, I, th- I like Notre Dame, but man, right around that six to seven. I think it's going to be close. Duke is, is the best team they've had in a long time. Again, but this is a different class. Um, their, their football program, who's ever said that they were a ranked football team? You know, this is a co- uh, basketball school. And the Fighting Irish played well last week, and they dropped an interception that would have sealed the win and the debacle on the goal line with only having 10 guys on the field. That obviously really hurt them. I look for a very entertaining, well-played football game. Yeah, I agree with everything you guys said. I think it's going to be a fun game to watch. Yeah, I'm right there, too. You know, you would think that the Blue Devils, what are they ranked? Uh, they're pretty decent against the pass, but I think 64th nationally against the runs or at least yards per carry. But Notre Dame isn't really that great as a running team, so I think it's going to be close as well. How about Ole Miss versus LSU, our last college game of the week? Is that where is that? Is that Baton Rouge? That's at Mississippi, yeah. Ooh. Uh, you know, I, I, I've thought Jaden Daniels was overrated even when he was at Arizona State. Uh, I've never really liked him as a quarterback. Um, Ole Miss, I, I like that. For, I, I don't even have a reason. I just like the fact that they're at home, big game down in the south. Yeah, I like I like old. I, what, what's the spread on that, Bill? LSU by three. Oh, Ooh, that's, so that's close. Yeah, I, I like I like Ole Miss absolutely. Well, and actually, maybe by more than a touchdown. It's tough to win on the road in, in the SEC. This is a really super strong conference. LSU will get their thirty-five points, but can they contain uh, the the Mississippi super offense, which Alabama did last week? I think the Tigers uh, sneak by the Rebels here. I believe uh, LSU is uh, definitely on a mission since their opening their opening week loss, so I like them as well. All right, it's time to see if we can get one past Bill. This one is called... It's time for... Stop. Question. <laughs> I want to ask you a bunch of questions, and I want to have them answered immediately. Dave, I'm going to start with you this week. Anyway, <laughs> uh, you know, mine is, uh, uh, who is the first rookie quarterback to surpass 3,500 passing yards in the NFL? In one single season, and throw fewer than five interceptions. Uh, you get some choices because I, I, I respect my elders. Uh, Dak Prescott, Carson Wentz, Tom Brady, or Ben Roethlisberger. Well, as much as I, I you know, it had to be somebody new. Thirty-five hundred yards and less than five interceptions. The old-time quarterbacks didn't do that. Um, Dak throws a lot of interceptions. Wentz throws a lot of interceptions. Brady, I don't think did it his first year. I, I'm, I'm stuck between two. I'm. I'm going to go – Carson Wentz was awesome his first year. I'm going to go with Carson Wentz. No. Brent, what? Brent Roethlisberger, isn't it? No. No. Who is you it? Lose, you lose two and you okay. get nothing. <laughs> we have that, don't we? <laughs> you get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. <laughs> I love that. No, it was Dak Prescott, the most overrated quarterback in the NFL. 100% uh, agree with that. In 2016, Dak became only the second player and first rookie NFL history surpassed 3,500 passing yards and throw fewer than five interceptions in one season. Who was the only other person to do so? 
Oh, by the way, it's, it's uh, one of the it's one of the options on the list. Roethlisberger. No, Brady. Wow. But didn't do it as a rookie. Dak has been the only rookie. Casey. All right. Who has the most receiving yards in a single quarter in NFL history? I have some options for you as well. I have A, Tyreek Hill, B, Sammy Watkins, C, Lee Evans, or D, Ty Hilton. You know, I, I just looked up this stat the other day about receiving yards in a game or career or season. They didn't have quarters in there. <laughs> Where are you guys getting these questions? But you're being nice and giving me some options. I'd, I, I, I'd like to go with Tyreek Hill. It seems kind of obvious. Sammy Watkins had some big years. Lee Evans has had some big games. I don't know why Ty Hilton's on there, but uh, he played with Manning at Indianapolis. I'm going to guess, and I'm going to go with Sammy Watkins. Ooh. Go for two. So Tyreek Hill was in second place with 203 yards in a single quarter, and that was a couple years ago on the Chiefs. And But number one is... C, Lee Evans with 205 yards in a single quarter. Wow. 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 That's a big number. He ended the half with 205 yards in the half. <laughs> I guess he did that with Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. What, do you, do you know a year for that? I think that's it was actually got... 2006. God, who is that? Frank Reich? No. No, no, no that's no. too late. Great questions, though, guys. Wow. Frank, Great questions. Frank Reich has the, what, what an unbelievable, the biggest comeback in the history of college football. And, and and the NFL playoffs. Fourth quarter, Frank. Unbelievable. Yeah. Came back against the Houston Oilers. I remember where I was at that day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, my question for you, Flagstaff Bill, is which NFL team derives their name from the date they were founded, which happens to be November 1st? Well, uh, I'm going to be honest here. Jeff gave me a couple hints, and I figured it out. I believe that's the New Orleans Saints. Ooh. One for three has become the new norm. And do you know why that is, right? Because, you know, Halloween, right? All Hallows' Eve. Oh. Okay, the night before All Saints' Day. So November 1st, All Saints' Day. I'll be darned. I think that would be a fun place to go watch an NFL football game. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, it's my favorite team. I would love to go out to New Orleans and watch a a football game there. But, yeah, that's a cool question. Good job, guys. All right, you want to talk some NFL football? Yeah, I'm ready. Sure, sure. We do have some breaking news, though. What's that? Uh, from my last uh, little bit on the Diamondbacks on baseball, I, I just got a word that Zach Davies has been designated for assignment. <laughs> Shocker. So, uh, okay. I, I As of the time of recording. Can, I don't know how the Diamondbacks can hear me while I'm recording a podcast, but hey. <laughs> well, it's, uh, the same thing happened with the Nick Ahmed thing. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, yeah, they listen. They listen. recalled uh, Justin Rodriguez from uh, AAA. Yeah. You know, they just had some good. Let me uh, see. They're, they're, they're listening um, to a a I'm a little scared being recorded. Yeah. yeah. Okay. How's that work? There are microphones. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> What's going on here? Anyway. All right, guys. Th- this weekend. So, I don't want to spend a lot of time on last weekend's game. But we're five days removed from that. Sure. But I do have just a quick question. Biggest surprise of last weekend, and you only get one of two choices, Cowboys losing to the Cardinals or Miami scoring 70. Cardinals beating the Cowboys. And it's not even close in my mind. No, absolutely. The, the Cowboys just got manhandled by the Cardinals, and I, I can't believe, I'm going to say that again, the Cardinals got man manhandled the Cowboys. That's just unbelievable. Now, what's more unbelievable, that, that score, the fact that now the Cardinals have beaten the Cowboys six of the last seven games. If you saw this wow. coming, you're a liar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you, nobody no saw way. that coming. Yeah, I think uh, the Cardinals game definitely was the most surprising thing, but I mean – 
The Dolphins scoring 70 points, that's incredible. They didn't even have their number two receiver in Jalen Waddell. Imagine if they did. They probably would have scored 90. The most points in the NFL game since 1966. Yeah. yeah that's I, unbelievable. I mean, I mean, to me, and, and, and there's no question, the Cardinal victory was, was huge. Things happen in the NFL. There's the whole any given Sunday thing. But on any given Sunday, you don't give up 70. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm sorry. That doesn't happen very hey, Vance, often. Upsets happen. Vance 70. Joseph's, Vance Joseph's defense has never did that in Arizona. And they'll, they did, <laughs> I don't think there's a point. Like the first four games he was in Arizona, I don't think they he, the Cardinals allowed 70 points. He did in one game in Denver. Yeah, I, that's amazing. And, and took two guys off the Cardinals with him up there. So was Denver that bad then? Yes, I, yes. I think so. Denver's that bad. Sean Payton, I think... Is, I am glad the Cardinals didn't hire him now. <laughs> but and, and on top of that, um, there's already controversy there. There's already he's already catching heat. I don't. I, if this keeps going, I don't know if he makes it through the year. Okay, so let's swing it the other way then. Hold on, let's swing it the other way because we're going to talk about these games now. Let's talk about this upcoming weekend's game. The first game we're going to talk about is Miami Buffalo. Okay, so Miami at Buffalo. Mm. So with that, let me underscore this by saying, is Miami that good? We'll find out. I think they are that good. I think their offense is a top offense in the league. Uh, their defense, I mean, they're giving up points, but when you score 70 points, I mean, their average for the season, I think, is like 45 points a game. So when you score that much offense, Buffalo is going to have their hands full. But Buffalo just came off a win where they were dominant on defense, and I mean dominant. So it's going to be a really good game. It's going to be a, I think it's going to be a back-and-forth game. Josh Allen seems to be coming out of that little – funk that he had in the beginning of the season so i'm excited to see who wins this game whoever wins this game is going to win the division well and you know we we're, were talking about the miami score from a week ago do you know buffalo has outscored teams 75 to 13 in their two wins jeff just took my my stat there i oh, love that nice. you <laughs> son of a they, you know they they turned the ball over four times in the first game and they they go to overtime and lose on a punt return uh, buffalo is is this a huge game it's in buffalo we're going to see if miami can repeat this it's a very tough game to call. It's by far the biggest game in the NFL this week. No, I mean, I'll, I'll give you a 100% lock guarantee in this game. Miami's not going to score 70 this week. No, guarantee. Don't go out on a limb there, Dave. Locked guarantee. Over, under? What are the odds? I, I think the over, under is going to be big because I, I think both offenses can score. Miami scored 36 against the, the Chargers and 24 against the Patriots. Uh, 24, okay. Um, yeah, I, I think this could be a high, when it's all said and done, a high over-under. Um, that, that might be the bet in this game, too. I don't know if I, I would bet this, you know, for team versus team, but maybe go for those side things. Um, 50, the, the, the spread's two and a half, Buffalo's favored, and the over-and-under's 53. Yeah, so two and a half, it, Buffalo's, that's a pick game almost. So, uh, yeah, I, I think this is the game of the week. Uh, I think it's no By far the yeah, game by of the far, week. Yeah, by far, yeah. Um, yeah, we're going to see what Miami's made of. I mean, we're, we're going to see what that offense is made of. We're going to see, you know, I, I would bet that, you know, Buffalo's probably going to bring the house on, on a few different times. If Tua takes a hit, that's got to be a mention, too, because he's, you know, been, he's fragile. He's a little fragile, yeah. And he, I don't think he's been touched a, a whole lot. So there's a lot of questions going into this. And if Miami can go in there and get a win, and they, they can get a win by a large margin, then I think we know what we have with the Miami Dolphins. I think that's going to be extremely difficult. And Buffalo defense, yeah, they had the four interceptions, but I think the more impressive number were the nine sacks. I mean, they're getting mm-hmm. in the backfield, and I think they can make life a little bit miserable uh, for, for Miami. All right, let's move on. Cardinals 
at the 49ers. You talked about how huge that Cardinal victory was. Big surprise for everyone who's an NFL fan. Uh, don't expect any big surprises in this game in San Francisco against a 49er team that has to right now be number one on the NFL power rankings. Look. Yeah, I totally agree. They're definitely number one. Uh, it was fun while it lasted with the Cardinals beating the Cowboys, but I think this might – it's not going to be their only win. I think they'll get one or two more wins, but – Not this week. <laughs> not this week. Well, the, the 49ers have been almost surgical in their first three games, and I'm not sure if anybody noticed, they scored 30 points exactly in each of their first three games. Wow. I think they're going to get 30 again. You know, the cards uh, could build on something. I just don't see it happening in San Francisco this weekend. Yeah, you know, San Francisco is the best team in the league, in my opinion. Um, and uh, you're right. They don't they don't mess up. I mean, they're very surgical. I, they've got, you know, the offense they run for Brock Purdy is fits him. It, it's not that difficult. Uh, it allows him to sit back and make plays, some short gains. Let's Christian McCaffrey run free a little bit too. And, and great blocking up front on the Niners. Thing is, the, the the first three games of the Cardinal series, they've had the lead in th- in the first three games. They they could e- very easily be three and zero right now. That that's the scary thing. Um, their defense is good, but not great. Um, I, you know, I I I just don't expect this. To, this is gonna be this is one of these Cardinal road games where you know they're playing well, and you think maybe oh, you know they beat the Cowboys, and maybe this is one of those times where they get beat like like forty one to ten. I think that's what I think. This is one of these games that's that's what's coming. Unfortunately, well, the spread's fourteen, and that's high for an NFL game. Yeah, these are grown men, so yeah. Um, yeah. we'll see what the Cardinals do. Did, did you guys know that Arizona running back James Conner is third in the league with two hundred and sixty-six rushing yards? He had a crazy he was, game. He was second in the league in touchdowns uh, going into the Cowboys game. Yeah, I could have run through fantasy. some of the holes that he <laughs> ran through last week. If you're a fantasy football player, James Conner is one of the best running backs in the league to have points wise. Yeah, yeah, right no now. Doubt. All right, how about both last year? All right, for Casey, this is for you. Saints, Bucks, very important game. Um, the Bucks, uh, they lost, but they still were competitive. Uh, the Saints just came off a heartbreaker against the Green Bay Packers. Uh, I, I should have won that game. They should have won that game. It was – I don't even want to talk Missed about it. Missed field goal at, at the end of regulation. You know, makeable field goal, like 45 yards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is going to be a good tight game. I don't see the offenses exploding in this game. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game, especially it seems like Derek Carr is going to be out. Is he going to play? Or? I think he's going to be out. He has an AC joint um, separation. Who, so, who's the backup? Jameis Winston. Oh, that's right. He came in last weekend. Yeah. Well, neither team's played anybody, really. And the Eagles exposed um, the Bucks on Monday night. I think New Orleans is a better team. And Derek Carr looks like he's out. Jameis Winston is a very capable backup quarterback. I he don't is. think that's going to hurt the Saints. Um, yeah. Sure. <laughs> no. no, I think, you know, Jameis Winston, you know, he's been around a little while now. He's had some starts. Um, it, that's a. I think that was a great move by the Saints to you know, get him as the the number two guy, just in case something like this happens, especially dealing with Derek Carr. You know, that kind of be beaten up the last few years being a Raider. Um, but uh, who did the Jets just sign as a backup quarterback? I don't know. Trevor <laughs> Simeon. Did he? That, that, oh, that was wow. their solution to really? Zach Wilson. Wow. And Yikes. Yes, that's a great response. Ooh. Yikes. Um, it, I I don't I don't believe in the Bucks. I I just there's. There's way too many questions there. I think Baker Mayfield has done a great job, you know, starting the season for them, but it's just not believable yet. And the game, the game's in New Orleans, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, I'll take in the Saints. All right, Saints back. are going to have Pro Bowl or Alvin Kamara back as well. Yes. Oh, there we go. So, 
They're uh, going to have the triple threat back again with Michael Thomas, Olave, yeah. and Kamara. Ooh, yeah. it's going to be big. All right, final final NFL game. And we were going to look at um, another game, but Browns versus Ravens. This is another big game. Well, oh. The Browns defense, they're only giving up 188 total yards per game. The, the Ravens are a solid organization. Um, no turnovers. Um I, I think I think they um, the Ravens struggled. They didn't play very well last week. They go into the Browns. I think the Browns come away with the win here. This is one of these games that the, the fans are going to be so fired up for because this is the old Cleveland Browns that are coming back. And there, believe me, there's people there that know that and revel in that whenever Baltimore comes to town. So they're going to be they're they're already a hyped crowd anyway. They're going to be extra hyped for this game. But you know, I think the Ravens. I mean. I, I can't take the Browns against them. I just they're not believable. It's kind of like the Bucks. They're not believable to me. Deshaun Watson's getting a little better every yeah, week. Yeah, kind of let him run around last week, and yeah, but he, he played he, better than I've seen since he's been back. Yeah, but he, he has he's had his, his bottom points too. But um, I, I think the I think the Ravens have that. I don't know. If, I don't think it's going to be a big win, but I think the Ravens get a win here. Yeah, it's going to be a fun game to watch. It's going to be total offense. Amari uh, Cooper finally broke out of that kind of slump that he's been going through. But the Ravens, they got exposed last week, and we got to recognize that. Their offense that looked to be a powerhouse wasn't as good, and they keep on losing their running backs, which is huge. They've Gus Edwards just got hurt. I mean, J.K. Dobbins tore his Achilles or ACL again. Um, they're they're falling apart by the seams. So it's just a matter of – and Odell's even out. I think he was out last week too. So mm. they didn't have a lot of options last week. Lamar had to do a lot of things right last week that didn't pan out. So how much can you rely on a Zay Flowers, a rookie? You know, I really think Rumor I've heard that Devontae Adams wants out. I mean, the Raiders are not Already? playing well, yeah. and that's one of the potential landing spots for him is Baltimore. Mm. That'd be a great oh, spot. That'd be a huge spot for him to land. The Ravens are going to tell the Browns never more. all right um let's talk a little bit about analytics guys because you know we're seeing them pop up in in sports in general you know last week in the nfl we saw some games where the advanced analytics say do one thing coaches go with those advanced analytics like always going forward on fourth down and then we have a situation that's exactly the opposite in the raiders steelers game you should go for it on fourth down they don't they kick and and it ends up costing them an opportunity to have the ball back to, to win the game. I'm tired of even the word advanced analytics. I'm not saying it's ruining sports because I think that would be an overreach, but what happened to coaches feeling their way through the game? I still think that there's value in that. Well, you, you, a perfect example is the Chargers going for it, up four with about a minute and a half left from their own 25-yard line. And there's absolutely no reason for that. The nut job coach for the the Chargers did that. My grandson's fourteen. He goes, "What are they doing? Why are they not punting?" Terrible decision. You have to have a gut feel. You have to. Maybe the analytics are going to help you. At the same time, if you've been around football for a long time, like most of these coaches, you have to make better decisions. Yeah, I, I agree. It falls on coaching. Uh, you've got to be kind of aware of these things and analytics. I mean, we. I mean, Coach Ball and I had a discussion about this. You know. When uh, they went for a two-point conversion down in Tucson, I go, that smart? All analytics tells us. And then he came back, I got a book on it, I'll let you read and he hasn't yet. Um, I, I, I think, you know, you got to go by feel and, and the kind of situation, kind of figure out what's the best move for you instead of relying on stats or, or, or things that have happened over the last 10 things. To, oh, the, the, this tells us we need to do this. No, I go by feel. 
Go by what your team, how your team got you down the field, or or what their um, what their energy level is. Go by that. I mean, be a coach. Don't don't rely on anything other than your own, you know, senses and your own, uh, you know, thoughts about getting it because your success got you that job. Analytics didn't get you that job. Winning elsewhere got you that job, or being successful with players got you that job. So rely on that instead of relying on analytics. Yeah, there's so much that go into advanced analytics now. And for me, advanced analytic analytics should merely be a suggestion. It should not be the go-to thing that we always go to because there's so many different things that you can go by. So especially in those kind of situations, momentum, huge thing, player personnel, what kind of players you have, or how tired your team is and what the situation is. I think those are three main like things that go into this that advanced analytics can't really talk about because it's just statistics. So you really have to take into account all these different things. And even, I don't know, for baseball, I think it's a good thing. For football, I think it's kind of ruining this mindset like, okay, we have to go for fourth down. Like you said, even in the 25-yard line, on our own 25-yard line, no, punt the ball. Be smart. You're up by four. You'll probably – the fact that the advanced analytics to tell you to go for on fourth down is ridiculous to me and that's even a thing is ridiculous but for baseball i get it um especially because of pitchers arms they have to save arms now um they calculate a bunch of different things for baseball now i can't even go down the list it'll take me four hours well that's to go just down. it casey the analytics can literally measure everything and and that that is a big part of the problem so all of those scenarios that you that you raise were Hey, you've got to have some feel. There's probably a stat for that now. Oh, <laughs> for okay. momentum? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's momentum's hard to measure, okay? Yeah. But but they're they're probably trying to figure that out too. And I'm with you guys. I think that you can do both. I, I think that the analytics are, are good. Having the numbers, having the knowledge is important. But then it still comes down to you have to have those gut instincts and the feel for the game. And in that situation, the, the Chargers game, I would be down. I don't care what the analytics are telling me to do. Punt the I'm ball. putting the ball. Punt the okay? ball. <laughs> and trusting my defense to get a stop here. Anyway. The, the analytics are telling the Raiders to fire Josh McDaniels. <laughs> well, well, that's next. Yeah, it's right. coming. And I agree with the analytics <laughs> yeah. on that one. I agree with the analytics. Sometimes we agree, sometimes we don't. <laughs> yeah. yeah, sometimes we don't. But they're there, for hopefully, for our knowledge. All right, guys, let's, um, let's switch gears here. It's time for our next segment, Sports through the ages, Dave, this time you had the honors. This should be fun. Yep. One of the sideshows in most sports are the fun, lovable, sometimes fluffy mascots of your favorite team. Many mascots line our basketball courts, football fields, baseball stadiums, and more. But when did it all begin? The first mention of something mascot-like can be found in the Dickinson Baseball Dictionary. In 1880s, a boy called Chick was considered a lucky charm by the fans, even though he was just a water boy. The New York Times was the first to use the word in modern spelling. All earlier mentions went something like mascot with an E or just mascot, two T's at the end. But none of these was a mascot in the modern sense of the word. That is, a person whose full-time job is to perform. But the first mascot to actually make a career of it was generally thought to be Max Patkin, known as the Clown Prince of Baseball. You may have seen Max in the 1988 classic baseball movie, Old Durham. The shift from live to costume mascots was spearheaded by Major League Baseball's Mr. Met of the New York Mets, and Brutus Buckeye of the Ohio State Buckeyes in 1964 and 1965, respectively. And the idea really began to take hold with the debut of the San Diego Padres mascot at the time, the San Diego Chicken, 
who started out as a radio promotion launched in 1974. Soon after 1977, the Philly Fanatic was launched. The job of being a mascot has grown leaps and bounds over the years, so much that there is even a mascot Hall of Fame in Whiting, Indiana. It was founded by David Raymond, who was the original Philly Fanatic from 1978 until 1993. There are 30 mascots in the hall, 20 professional and 10 college. The inaugural Hall of Fame class was inducted in 2005. In the class was the San Diego Chicken and the Fanatic. The only other one in the inaugural class was none other than the Phoenix Suns Gorilla. More about him in a little bit. Other inductees over the years include Brutus Buckeye, Bucky Badger from Wisconsin, Big Red from Western Kentucky, Mr. Met, Yuppie, who started out being the Montreal Expos mascot, but didn't make the move to Washington, D.C. Instead, he was brought on to be the Montreal Canadiens mascot. Also, Globy of the Harlem Globetrotters was inducted in the Hall of Fame last year. This year's Hall of Fame class consists of Otto the Orange from Syracuse and Slugger, the official mascot of the Portland Sea Dogs, which is a double-A baseball affiliate of the Boston Red Sox in Maine. Not everyone's a fan of mascots. Take the students at Scottsdale Community College, for example. In the early 1970s, students were not thrilled with the school. It was a protest of the school's budget priorities at the time. Students voted for an artichoke as the school's mascot. Meant to poke fun at the school, SEC has embraced Artie the Artichoke and remains the school's mascot today. Now back to the gorilla. The gorilla was born after a messenger from Eastern Onion Messaging Service went to Veterans Memorial Coliseum dressed in a gorilla suit to deliver a singing gorillagram to a fan. As he began to leave, Coliseum security suggested he do a few dances underneath the basket during a timeout. Fans loved it, as did the messenger, Henry Rojas, who kept coming to games until he was officially invited to be a part of the team in 1979. Rojas would often speak at churches and other gatherings wearing the gorilla feet. Rojas retired in 1988, and the Suns hired former ASU national champion gymnast Bob Wolf. The gorilla quickly became airborne with his patented trampoline ducks during timeout. Bob was the first to do it. It was then NBA teams went to ASU to recruit mascots. There's been a handful of former Sun Devil gymnasts that have worked in the league as a mascot. I got to meet Bob and saw him quite a few times as I covered the Suns for a few years, but it got to the point where he would see me while he was working and come mess with me. Whether it was in Phoenix or here in Flagstaff when any would have the Suns up for a game up until his retirement in 2021. The gorilla found me and made sure he said hi in a unique way. Whether it be professional, minor league, college, or high school, mascots have always been part of the entertainment at a sporting event. You get the chance the next time you see one, thank them. It is a thankless job that usually doesn't pay much. It takes a lot of energy and love of the game to do. All right, good job, Dave. Uh, mascots. Uh, you know, it's, it's funny because I love the idea that Underneath that suit, nobody's ever supposed to know who it is. Right. So literally, that person does this job where they're in front of you know tens of thousands of people, and yet their whole career is completely done under the cover <laughs> of a uniform. Nobody, even, so they can't even go out to the bar and go like, "Yeah, you know, well, I'm, I'm the gorilla." <laughs> you know, can't do I, it. They can't <laughs> do it. But I, 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 and, and the gorilla. You know, mascot is so protected and secret. Those who know, you want to keep that. And I obviously I knew who Bob was for years until now that he's retired in 21. Now I can out him. So, but um, there, I was telling Casey uh, just yesterday, there was a great article in Sports Illustrated, I think it was in 2005, that went through his day uh, leading into a game. And, you know, it's like a full from when he wakes up in the morning to he goes home at night, what he goes through. And it's a great read. So I, I highly recommend. Uh, search in Google or whatever your search engine is uh, to find that article from Sports Illustrated about Bob. And Bob is probably like five foot five. I mean, small dude, but he was chiseled, maybe a one percent body fat chiseled dude, um, and such a great guy too, and a perfect person for that. A side note on on Max Packing by the Packing by the way, because I couldn't include it in there. His 
he kind of started his role. He was a pitcher for the White Sox. And the, the urban legend on that is that um, Joe DiMaggio hit a home run off of him. And he followed behind DiMaggio making those goofy faces, if you remember, Max, you know, what he used to do. And, and him doing that, the crowd went crazy. DiMaggio didn't like it, obviously. But that's kind of was the birth of the Clown Prince of Baseball is that DiMaggio hit a home run off of him, and he just kind of followed behind him making fun of him as he went around the bases. Good so stuff. You don't see that anymore either, that's for sure. That's right. awesome. Good stuff. Sports through the ages, mascots. All right, let's, uh, let's get some hot tips. It is time for betting with Bill. Flagstaff, Bill, what you got for us this week? I got a couple pro games and a couple college games. Um, we're going to go back to the Miami-Buffalo game, 10 o'clock Sunday morning. This game means a lot more to Buffalo, who can't afford to go down two games to the Dolphins in the loss column. I don't think Miami's going to duplicate what they did last week. It's going to be very entertaining. I like the Bills here at home, minus 2.5, and, and the over at over 53. Uh, the other pro game we're going to jump to is the Broncos at the Bears. Not trying to pile on, but who wants to watch this game? Two 0-3 teams seemingly with no direction. Bears head coach Matt Eberfluss. I don't even see his name. Never before. He's coaching for his life. Sean Payton um, is a little bit more secure. Very tough game to handicap, but I'm going to take the Bill or the Bears at home minus three. So, but for college, we're going to we're going to jump to the SEC. We talked a little bit about Alabama, Mississippi State. Not your typical Crimson Tide football team this year. But their defense is 100 yards better than Mississippi State. I think Alabama's offense finally gets going this week on track. Uh, Mississippi State's given up 41 and 37 points in their last two games. Um, I, I think Mississippi State maybe scores 10 points. I see a 37-10 to 10 final score here. Uh, the final game is South Carolina at Tennessee. Tennessee uh, shuts down a South Carolina passing attack. The Vols are much better at home. I think Tennessee routes this week. The top four running backs for Tennessee all average over six yards a carry. That's too much. Tennessee at home routes. All right, good stuff. Bill, thank you. Hopefully you guys took your notes and you're ready to get some betting in with Bill. All right, time to bring it back home. Sports around the mountain. Dave Zorn, what you got? Well, we should start out with uh, the big upset in the FCS last week, which was the Indian Lumberjacks. Uh, beating the 13th-ranked Montana Grizzlies. By the way, they slid to 16 this week, which, whatever. They should be ranked anyway. Um, beat in the Sky Dome 21-14. to NU sat Grizzly quarterbacks five times. Three by Big Sky Defensive Player of the Week, Eli Coetti. Uh, the Hornets, uh, the, the Lumberjacks are taking on uh, the eighth-ranked Sacramento State Hornets this week. They're coming off their first loss of the season as they fell to Idaho on the road 36-27. to The week before that, the Hornets knocked off Stanford in Palo Alto 30-23. to this is the first season under former NU defensive coordinator Andy Thompson, who was the Hornets defensive coordinator of the past few seasons before getting the head coaching job. He really wanted the NU head coaching job before they gave it to Chris Ball, and he was very upset that he didn't get it. So this is there's a little bit of added investment from Coach Thompson at Sacramento State this week. The game uh, kicks off. If you're listening to this before Saturday. Uh, at 6 p.m. Saturday, you can watch on ESPN+. Turning more to locally, uh, turning to the high schools, uh, the Flagstaff Eagles are riding a two-game winning streak after the 35-6 win over Copper Canyon last week. They'll open up region play in the Sky Dome against Mingus this week. Uh, so uh, they look forward to uh, hopefully extending their winning streak there. The Coconut Panthers got down early but couldn't rally as they fell to Post and Butte 30-27. Uh, they will host the Bradshaw Mountain Bears for the region opener on Friday. And one final note, I want to give a shout-out to uh, American Legion Academy Queen Creek quarterback Enoch Watson, who is a former Coconut quarterback. 
he not, not only won a Player of the Week honors, and now he's eligible for the Arizona Heisman Trophy winner this week, but he had one of the most amazing plays I've seen in high school football in Arizona in the last few years. 20, 12 seconds to play. They're down against Pinnacle. He, got the, he went to throw the ball. The ball deflected out of his hands, but it went off of one of his players and back in the air, and he caught his own pass and took it in for a 12-yard touchdown to beat Pinnacle uh, by, I believe it was 29-27. So uh, much love to him. He's a great kid, a great family, and uh, it was cool seeing him getting that uh, yeah, play. And, getting, and, of course, I voted for him for the award, and I'm glad he got that too. So uh, props to Enoch and, and the Watson family down there in Queen Creek. All right. Great job. Sports Around the Mountain with Dave Zorn. Woo. All right, we're just about done, guys. It's time for our final segment of the day. It's called Crunch Time. Your minute or less. No, I didn't say more. <laughs> Your minute or less to rant about whatever you want. And I think this time... I'll Jason. go last. I'll, go, I'll volunteer to go last. Okay, I'll go first because I have a big rant. So I was scrolling through Twitter and I saw this play. I mean, it's like, what is the call in the play? And I saw it was a bang-bang play at first base. And they say, Ty goes to the runner. I just want to let you guys know, Ty goes to the runner is not a real rule. There's nothing on it that says this is a real rule. I always thought that. No, it's not real. No, no. <laughs> it's not real. So if you ever say, Ty goes to the runner, I'm going to call you an idiot. Because it's not a real thing. Well, who does the tie go to? There's no rule. It's a judgment call. <laughs> Jeff. Okay. I'm just well, it's just like the foul pole. I think that's the fair pole. You <laughs> it's know, the fair pole. Right. But you no. hit the fair pole, it's a home run. There's no tie goes to the runner. I, I don't want to hear it anymore. I don't want to see it on Twitter. Please stop saying that. Get educated. It's time to stop it. Very okay. interesting. Right. I did not. We Jason. learned something today. Bill? Uh, my rants on NFL referees. I think it's time for the NFL to man up and improve, and improve the referees. Right now in the NFL, most people don't know. Most or all of the referees are not full-time employees. It's their second job. Yes, they work their real job Monday through Friday, then off to the next city for their game on Sunday. With gambling now 100% legal, it's time for the NFL to take care of business and have refs that concentrate on their job 100% of the time. They get most calls correct, even if they have to go to review, but it's not uncommon to see three to five missed calls a game. I And I still don't understand what a catch is. I'm watching a game, they'll say uh, incomplete, exact same play in the next game, they'll say completion. You see 55, 60-year-old men trying to run with world-class athletes down the sidelines on the fly pattern. They need to have some younger guys in there. This should be their main focus. Full-time referees would improve the game. It's really needed. Did you see what the Amari Cooper catch, and they called him out of bounds? Yeah. Ridiculous. He was five yards in bounds, and they called him out of bounds. Referee blew the whistle and stopped the play, and he stopped. Yeah, it was a really weird play, and... They just missed it, did not correct it. Why have replay if it doesn't work? Right? Yeah, oh, for sure. You know, my, my rant, honestly, is, is a short one. Every day, the watch for Josh McDaniel and whether or not he's still the Raiders head coach is on. So uh, we're recording on Wednesday. I will be watching the ticker all today and tomorrow and Friday. And hopefully by the time this airs this week, Josh McDaniel will be back doing what he does really well and that's a coordinator. He's one of those guys in the list of, of NFL coaches, North Turner was another one, that keep getting head coaching jobs, and they're not head coaches, but they're terrific coordinators. The Raiders need to wake up. They made the wrong decision in the first place. How many weeks is it going to be before they get this right? What, what did he say about his decision to kick the field goal down eight with a minute and a half left We're in the game? We're going to get the ball back. 
That didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> you had to be like White Sox fans uh, in the Dimax game the other day. There was one guy behind home plate that was, had a shirt that said "Sell the team," and he was like moving in the camera shot like this. And then they started chanting it, "Sell the team." So <laughs> maybe that'll work. I don't know. All right, someone has to do it, so might as well be me. Taylor Swift went to last week's Kansas City Chiefs game to cheer on new friend, tight end Travis Kelsey. Okay, first, it's great she was there, had a great time, cheered, even chest bumped the guy after Kelsey scored, and took it all in. Happy for Kelsey, too. She's so popular she could run for president right now and win by a landslide. But I have a problem. Not with Taylor, with the sports media. Listen to this. It's the lead story in the National Football League. It's the lead story in sports. I, I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say that. Hmm. I mean, I think the secret's out. Who's she here to see? I mean, I think, I think the secret's out. I think we can uh, play matchmaker and uh, put, put the rumors... To rest, I think they are officially a couple. And and I'll warn you, brace yourselves, ladies and gentlemen. You might want to just look at the internet for the last time because when this gets spread around the World Wide Web, the internet's going to break. The rumors apparently are true. Taylor Swift is friends with Travis Kelsey. The last clip was from Scott Hansen of the NFL's Red Zone Channel. You know the channel specifically designed to show football for seven hours. Again, I'm fine with Taylor showing up cheering. And having a great time, and I love what she brings to the table. But my brothers and sisters in sports media, please stop. Enough. It's too much. Let me have my football. And you know, by the way, if Taylor Swift fans, if you're listening to this for the first time, and are, don't be upset with me. I like her. I, I think she, like I said, I think she brings a lot to humanity. Just don't come after me. It's not about her. It's not about her. It's about the coverage of the that event that she was there. It was ridiculous. It was stupid. It was. I mean, I mean, Scott Hansen. That that's his channel. That's Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Like, like I, did, I didn't even care about it until they started showing it. Like, yeah, I, I really right. don't. I don't care who's there to watch a player. Okay, Taylor Swift is there. Great. That's cool. Really great. Hope they hope they have a happy life. I didn't need to see it, and I refused all week long to even <laughs> report on it. I didn't mention it one time. Second, not once. The second, not once. The second Dave. clip was the pro, was the play by play analyst on CBS for the game. Who cares? I know. Granted, the Chiefs were up forty-two to nothing at the time, and, and Bears fans were like, "Okay, great. You know, but he's taking the heat off of us." But I mean, come on, focus on the game. Well, stop I did, it. I didn't care. Thank you, and I still don't. I just want to do some stats real quick because yeah. after this happened, Travis Kelsey gained four hundred thousand followers on Instagram. His jersey sales moved to number one. <laughs> yeah. And the Chiefs made a bunch of money. It's ridiculous how much of a phenomenon that is. But Unbelievable. All right, guys. That's going to wrap things hey, up. <laughs> t- Taylor Swift fans, tell your friends about us. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Click follow. Dave said it. All right. That's going to wrap things up for us, guys. Um, wow. You know, I guess we are solving the world's problems. <laughs> Taylor to. Swift. We're, we're trying. We're, we're really not. For Casey Everett, Dave Zorn, Bill Unkovich, I'm Jeff Kennedy. Thanks for listening. And remember, national security is not at stake. Taylor Swift might be. <laughs> We're not solving the world's problems. We really just want to talk about sports. That's all it is. Now, what are you going to do? Good morning. Morning. Oh, and in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. So this is Vin Scully wishing you a very pleasant good afternoon wherever you may be.